Introducing Allbirds new Wool Runner 2, redesigned to redefine comfort. Extra cushioning offers a plush ride, and premium materials deliver a cozy fit. Go to Allbirds.com and use code FRESH24 for a free pair of socks with purchase today. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there, but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. It's me, Kat Harris, and this is my friend Amanda Blair Hopkins. Hello. XO Amanda Blair. XOXO Gossip Girl. <laughs> XOXO Gossip Girl. I think that that's kind of where I got that from. But I say that it isn't because I also loved the way British people signed everything off with an X. Mm. But I couldn't do just an X because it felt weird. So I did XO. But then I also was watching Gossip Girl at that time. So we don't know. We don't know. This is what I love about you, Amanda, is you are like my most like, I feel like evolved, enlightened, like yogi friend, but you know all of the pop culture thing. I love it, pop culture. I love pop culture. I always know I can count on you to like. <gasps> oh my God. I actually have something kind of funny to a little antidote. Tell me. Pop culturally. What do I need to know? So I am doing a month of online dating, as you know. Yes. And I recently got on Raya, which feels, it's like a fancy online dating app for creatives. Oh. Yeah, it's very cool. Okay. You have to pay. It's like eight bucks a month. Anyway. I don't I know just, if I can afford that. <laughs> I just saw Pete Davidson on it. No. Yeah, That's not real. It's real. It's him. I, I don't I don't. It's know. him, 100%. How do you because, know? <laughs> because this is an app that celebrities use. How do you know? Because that's what it is. Everyone talks about it. Well, clearly I have been living under a rock. Yeah. So I've seen multiple actors Just please on don't go on a I've date saw, with Pete Davidson. I, I mean, let's be honest. I don't think that me is who he's looking for. I've also seen Vinny from The Bachelor. No. Oh, just kidding. Because <laughs> I saw a guy from the, um, oh, whose season was it? I think it was Rachel's season of The Bachelorette. I don't know who on, Rachel is. She is the black woman from Texas, oh, right. the attorney yes. that married the Got chiropractor it. from mm-hmm. Florida. I didn't watch her season, that's why. Yeah, it was kind of slow. Yeah. Yeah, nothing beats Ben Higgins' episode. Uh, I mean, and JoJo. 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 Okay, are you watching JoJo and Jordan's, like, YouTube show right now? I've watched the first three episodes, and then I haven't watched another one because it's, like, too... It's too... Hey! (laughs) You know, it feels too produced. Like, they're trying too hard. I want them to just be... Take it back. Yeah, take it back. Take it back. And just, like, be more real. Like, especially Jordan. Mm. I don't feel like he's being very showy, I feel like. 
Yeah. I mean, but I love, I love them and I love her. I think she's fantastic. I have a feeling they're both a three on the Enneagram. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Which is, I'm a three. Okay. So they're performers. Ah, okay. And when the, you know, camera's on, it's like light camera action. Hey, hey, hey. Mm. Look at me. I I think very awkward. Yeah. I think it can be really hard to be vulnerable. I think the more I've done this podcast and the more I speak publicly at conferences, the more I realize how hard and scary it is actually to be real and vulnerable. It's way easier to talk about the idea of something, principles, or just talk about how do you do uh, the best high ponytail or whatever. Mm. The risk feels greater. I guess I feel scared of rejection or I just feel scared. Yeah, I think it's scared of rejection. Yeah. You said something on your podcast. I think it was with Rada, which I loved, by the way. I, I think love she's her. awesome. Um, have you been to Wild? No. It's their restaurant. Her oh. and her sisters. It's gluten-free pizza, and it's sick. They're like the most entrepreneurial women I've ever encountered I, in my life. No. I'm like, <laughs> how many, like, how much energy do you have? Seriously. I literally could never do what you do. Yeah. It's like, shh. But you said that what keeps you small is the fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, that is what keeps us small. It is what keeps us small. Mm. Yeah. But if we go in, if we do get rejected, right? Like we've all been rejected. Mm-hmm. It's really not that big of a deal, right? It's just someone saying no. When someone else says no, it's not a personal attack against us. It's that person either holding a boundary for themselves or going through something of their own. It has nothing to do with us. The more I think we take responsibility for ourselves and know that no one else affects our actions. And when we're saying no, it's not about the other person, Mm -hmm. right? It's about us. The more we'll be able to realize that when someone else says no, it's not about us. It's about them. And so it's not, we don't have to put our worth on the line. Mm -hmm. So I hear that. And I feel like when I'm in a good place, Mm. I can receive that. Totally. And be like, you're the one that I've said this on my podcast a thousand times and it comes from you. Rejection is protection. Yes, it is. I mean, I would, there are so many men that I would have said yes to and a few of them that I would have even married Mm. and that I didn't have the courage to walk away from, or I didn't have the courage to believe Mm. that God could actually have Mm. the full picture for me. I was always compromising in some way or another. And every single time the guy would reject me. Yeah. And I felt so rejected because of that and like a failure and I'm unworthy or I'm not lovable or I'm not able to get the relationship that I really want and long for. And like now I repeat to myself all the time as I'm rejected all the time. (laughs) That rejection is my protection. It is. I use it too all the time. So before we recorded, I was like, I want to talk with you about this while we're recording and get some coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I have felt my boundaries wobbly mm-hmm. in the last few weeks. And even you and I had, when we we went to the play last weekend, and we didn't have a fight at all. No, no we got no, way we overcharged. Got <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> paid, listener, listener, $82 for soda water. I just want to throw that yeah, out there. Just really, soda water. I mean, it, so... It was nuts. It was nuts. We went to one of those... Like one woman shows, my friend did it. It was amazing. Which was fantastic. The show was great. Show was incredible. So now I just have to adjust my mindset and be like, the tickets were $80. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I paid $40 to see the show, which, right. which in is, theory was worth it. It was worth it. So. But don't try to <laughs> do me over with the soda, soda water. Yeah. So it was definitely triggering for both of us right. because you weren't expecting to pay that much mm-hmm. and I instantly I'm I'm feeling like if Amanda's not okay I'm not okay right well and, codependency is hard <clears throat> we both have, or I would say is our codependence in recovery yeah. mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So you left and I felt like, (laughs) (laughs) well, even when I was there, because when I get annoyed, I was annoyed. I just get really quiet. I'm, um, I don't know if anyone listening or, you know, about human design, but I'm really into human design and I'm an emotional authority. So that means that, you know, some people, their gut tells them what to do. It's my emotions sort of lead the way. But what that means is I, when I'm in an emotion, it's like a wave. Mm -hmm. So when I'm at my peak, I have to just be really quiet and like let that roll through me so that I can get down to the bottom. It can crash, the water recedes, and then I'm calm and I can move forward and make a decision. Mm -hmm. So when I'm at a peak, like I've learned to just, I need some space. Mm -hmm. I need to take a walk because I can't make any decisions right now that I will be happy with later. Mm -hmm. So I got really quiet and that was hard for you because then you were internally like, my God, Amanda's mad at me. Oh my gosh, like it's my fault when it was none of those things. Mm -hmm. But we had a good communication about it. We did. We did. We talked about it. And then a couple other things happened this last week for Mm -hmm. me to kind of see, oh, I'm feeling wobbly and I've been so excited to talk with you because I'm like, what? So Amanda is on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) because for a lot of reasons, you're one of my best friends and you're the person I go to primarily if I really need really good love advice. Oh, thank you. And you're so good at self-care. You've done the work. I've seen you grow Mm. so much and really set the bar for yourself higher and higher. And it's been so inspiring to me to see as a friend. Um, So I always just, I always want to talk with you about this stuff. Thank you. That makes me feel so nice. Yeah. You're such, you are this expert because you're living it. Mm. Yeah. You're living it. You're living the process. 100%. And that's why I started doing relationship coaching because I feel like I've been through the war, so mm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And I've like come out on the other side. So whenever I share something, it's always from <laughs> like me falling down a million times mm-hmm. and then realizing how to pick myself back up. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I feel like those lessons that we learned through our failures are beneficial to everyone mm-hmm. right because like there's always a through line that someone mm-hmm. else can pull out and be like oh I'm gonna apply that to my life in like this way mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be the same thing but yeah you well first I have to say Amanda you're the very first person that ever called me out <laughs> for this particular man in my life that I had a very confusing relationship with mm. and the writing was on the wall to what I now know was everyone else around us that yeah. there were feelings there, but neither of us were admitting it. Mm-hmm. And you kind of were like, well, that's how we met. And we got close. Mm-hmm. We met on a yoga retreat and uh, we were, we were there. I didn't, I mean, I noticed Kat, but we didn't say hi really. Or I, we might've like said hi, but we weren't like connecting at that point. Do you remember first impressions? Uh, well, no. Well, yes, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm leading into <laughs> okay, it. Because I remember my first impression of you. So, because I didn't really have an impression of you until you said something to me and I was like, oh, okay. But, um, so we had, we were traveling, we got to Guatemala and then we were traveling to the place that we were staying at. And so Kat was, I don't know where, what bus you were in or whatever, but we were like traveling in buses. And then we got to our little place and we were all like feeling good. And I was upstairs on this kind of patio and Kat was downstairs, but I was talking about with the other girls about dancing and you said something about twerking and I was like that is my girl (laughs) and that was my first impression I was like we're gonna be best friends yes you gotta twerk to work and then we went we did we and then we if we kind of went skinny dipping together you were kind of (laughs) scared I love when you tell that story because you're always like I just saw Amanda's bare butt yeah 
in the moonlight. Um, I am very scared of getting into cold water, jumping in. I don't know. It's like a weird fear. I can't do it. It takes me a bit. I have to slowly get in. Um, and then when you're naked, just you're slowly getting in. Everyone's just getting a very good view of your naked body. I don't where I feel like I like ran and jumped in and the water was really cold it was, in it your was defense. Very, really it was, cold. you know, really it was, you know, midnight, it was the middle of the night, but the moon was really bright. The moon was so bright. It was have, so beautiful. It was so beautiful. <laughs> but I have this picture of you ingrained in my head of like you're on the dock, like slowly dipping your foot in the water, like backwards on the ladder. And we're like, it was like the the scene from the notebook, like, get in the water, baby. Get in the water. Get in the water. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> I did eventually get in, but it was it was very cold. It was really scary. Oh, what was your first impression of me? Okay, my first impression of you, I remember it so clearly. If there was like a caricature of what I would think a, a yoga instructor in a movie would play. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Meeting you in Guatemala was that. Like, you had... You met us at the airport mm. and you had stayed in a hostel or something yeah. the night before, which I thought was like so yoga of you. <laughs> so free spirited. So it was like, the cheapest flight. I was like, um, are you scared of being trafficked? Like you're by yourself. <laughs> like I'm so nervous. But you were wearing cut off denim shorts and knee highs. Mm-hmm. And it was like so hot outside. But you had this authority about you. I was like, okay, this girl needs business. I got to listen to her. Like she's wearing knee highs. <laughs> she's wearing knee highs. And I think that's the coolest thing ever. But I remember we were laying out one day and you were reading a book mm. on chakras or something. Oh yeah. And I was like, what's that mean? I don't know what chakra means. And we just started talking and it was super evident that you were just this wealth of knowledge and depth. Yeah. And I feel like we were pretty much attached at the hip yeah. after that. Yeah, from then on. I mean, I was in love I with love you. story. <laughs> as soon as you said something about twerking. So I was in. Good. Both okay, for you. We're all in. Woo. Um, but yeah, I called Kat out because Kat at the time was very dismissive of herself in that she had feelings for a guy, but she thought that there was no way in the world that he could have those feelings about her. And then I watched them interact together and I was like, clearly you both have feelings and neither of you are saying anything mm-hmm. and you're not acknowledging the power that you have mm-hmm. with and over a man, you mm-hmm. know? Cause like I'm watching him react to you and it is not a friendly reaction. He's definitely mm-hmm. having more than a friendly reaction to you. When you told me that I was dismissive of you. Yeah. I was later proven right. You were later proven right. (laughs) (laughs) Very right. And once kind of the scales fell off my eyes and I could see very clearly, oh, there are feelings here Mm. between me and this other person. Mm. And what do I do with that? Um, Mm. Because we were both not the right fit for each other. Yeah. It kind of set me on a path of why, why am I afraid to admit that I have feelings for someone? Mm. Why is it so hard for me to acknowledge that for me, I felt like this high school girl again that was like the popular guy wouldn't like me, right. silly me. Right. Like, right. you know, I'm I'm the friend, not the lover. So I think you calling that out of me and me kind of having that I see the light moment kind of it revealed all of these spaces where I feel like I live and walk through the world, correct me if I'm wrong, as as a pretty confident woman. You do. But underneath it just was like, I'm powerless to my relationship status. 
I'm unworthy of the type of relationship I want. Mm. And I kept getting stuck in these male friendships that were ambiguous. Right. But it was really kind of back to what you're saying about rejection as protection. Yeah. It's really when we're rejected, it's never about me. It's always no. about the other person. Exactly. Or if I'm not interested in someone, it's it's because of me, not right. the other person. Exactly. It's not their lack that right. you're not that you're rejecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But same with the work that I started doing when you brought that stuff up to me as I was like, oh, no one else is rejecting me. I'm shutting the door on romances because I don't think I'm worthy. Right. So because yeah, I was playing small. So I didn't believe I was worthy. So then guess what I was attracting? Emotionally unavailable men, Mm -hmm. guys that didn't treat me well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I'm really grateful that. Yeah. So that. Yeah. I mean, I've been there. That's Mm -hmm. definitely part of my journey. Um, So what is your journey? How did you get here? (laughs) the story of Amanda. <laughs> I was born on a cold March morning. Um, no. My story. Well, I went through a lot as a kid because I had two very young parents and they were together, but their relationship was fraught with a lot of fighting and trauma on both their parts and just cheating. And my dad was a big drinker and, you know, partying all the time. They were 19 and 24. I mean, they were very, very young. So you can imagine like those times in your lives. And then like a kid was thrown in. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of moving around. There was a lot of, you know, once they were separated, they'd been separated my whole life essentially, but they fought so much. I, my first memory is of them fighting. So I never wanted them to be together. I was like, this is better apart. But there was a lot of, you know, girlfriends on my dad's side. There's a lot of boyfriends on my mom's side. So I've just been around a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made, I had really low self-worth. I definitely had daddy issues. I had no self-confidence and no self-esteem. So when I moved into dating, I was so desperate for love and I was so desperate for someone to tell me that I was worthy and that I was good enough. I would just let men walk all over me. Mm. So my first love cheated on me with eight different women. Oh my gosh. And I stayed with him. The way I found out was he was studying to be a doctor and I went to visit him. And one of the girls that he was... I don't know, he wasn't just sleeping with, that was his second girlfriend, was like chasing me around the island. And then he made me feel like it was my fault and I was crazy. And I stayed with him after that. So, I mean, it was just like bottom of the barrel kind of stuff. And when I moved to New York, it went from bad to worse because my drinking got really out of hand. And I was partying a lot and I was blacking out more than I ever have been. And I had just, when I moved to New York, ended a relationship that was really special to me, but... It just wasn't a place to really hold that kind of relationship. And that, that sort of drove me to a really, really low place. And the drinking was bad. I was making even worse choices with men because now it was all casual. And I was just like sleeping with people that just really couldn't care less about me. And it all kind of came to a head when I decided to do yoga teacher training. And I really started to deal with myself in a way that I never had before, which meant I had to like go through all of the shadow and all the darkness and really confront my wounds and my childhood. And doing that was really hard and really scary. And I felt like I would never make it through and I would be broken forever and Mm -hmm. something was wrong with me forever. And I would never find love again. And getting sober is kind of the thing that saved my life because it's what gave me enough space to let the work that I was doing through, you know, yoga teacher training that sort of like opened this portal up for me. But then I was, I found my coach, Lacey Phillips from Free and Native. 
And that work really started to change me. But it wasn't until I got sober mm. that that actually had space to like grow and I could start to put that work into practice mm-hmm. and start to raise my self-worth and my self-esteem and make better choices for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of where I am now. So we became friends. I didn't know you were trying to get sober when we became friends. Right. And I remember when you told me, oh, I'm getting sober. I was like, why? Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen you drunk. I've right. never seen you out of control. In fact, whenever we'd be out, you know, at a bar or a restaurant with friends, you would have one glass of wine or something. So that was always surprising to me. So I don't know if you want to like unpack sure. that a little bit more because yeah. I totally support it. But I remember and I see the the fruits in your life now. Um but I remember being confused right. when you got sober because I was like, you're not an alcoholic, Amanda. Right. <laughs> um, well, and that's something that I, you know, I've had different friend groups. And I'm sorry for not believing you. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I've, I, that was something that happened a lot during that time. Mm-hmm. And I understand because I've had different versions and friend groups um, since my eight, year, my eight years in New York. And it took me until meeting you guys and um, my other friend group that I have to like really feel like I found my people. Mm -hmm. So by the time I found you guys, I was like year three into trying to get sober. So I was really trying to control it. I had been blacking out, you know, all the time. I can't even count on my hands and my toes the amount of times that I blacked out. So when I was 27 is when I really started to be like, okay, I did the yoga teacher training and I was like, I have got to deal with this relationship with alcohol. I did not think I had a problem at the time. I just wanted to be quote unquote healthier. And I had terrible anxiety. I've had it my whole life. I've had panic attacks since I was like five years old. I remember having them. And when I stopped, I stopped drinking for six months after, during and after my yoga teacher training. And my anxiety got really low. And I was like, ooh, there's like something here. But it would be another five years before I could really start to dig into that. But I was trying and working really hard to do it. So I understand why you thought that. Mm -hmm. Because that was in my time of like really aiming to get sober, but not able to fully quit. Mm -hmm. It would be, I would be like, yeah, I'm only going to have one glass of wine. And that required so much self-discipline to stop at one because I had such a compulsion to keep going. And that compulsion would take over. And then I would be having two glasses of wine a night. And then it would be three. And then I slowly started to get drunk again. And sort of the catalyst for me finally getting sober and saying enough is enough was I went to Cuba with one of my girlfriends two years ago and I blacked out twice. And I was like, enough. Like, you're going to kill yourself if you continue to do this. You're 31 years old. Like, you're just too old. Mm -hmm. So I finally quit. But I was nine months into my sobriety when I found a 12-step program. And that's when I really realized that I had a problem. And I started to, like, Mm -hmm. go back and deal with that alcoholism and the way that it had been affecting my life. Um, But I also want to say that alcoholism looks really different in everybody. Mm. Um, I was not the alcoholic who was getting, you know, a fifth of vodka and drinking that before work. Like I could show up to work and I wouldn't drink at work. Although I will say I have gotten high at places of work on multiple occasions. So that was happening, just not regularly, but it didn't affect my work. I wasn't you know, I never got thrown in jail. I never ended up in the hospital, but I did put myself in very precarious situations that could have been very bad for me. I luckily have a really great guardian angel that I haven't, um, you know, gotten hurt 
But we in the program say that there's not just hard bottoms, there's soft bottoms. Mm -hmm. And so I just had a lot of soft bottoms. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if you have an issue with drinking, it doesn't need to look like you're ending up in jail Mm -hmm. or you're constantly drunk. It can just be that every time you go out with your friends, you're binge drinking, you're drinking too much, you're blacking out. That can still be a problem and you can still stop and Mm -hmm. try to get your life back because it was taking over my life. My anxiety was out of control. And when I finally, finally got sober, I mean, my anxiety essentially turned off. I mean, it's always there, but I, it's not loud. I don't have to listen to it anymore. So yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I want to pause in today's episode to tell you about something I am so excited and passionate about. So for my single ladies, this one is for you. I just want to say I get it. Dating in today's culture can be a struggle fest. Do you ever feel like you're going to end up being a crazy cat lady watching Bachelor reruns, eating pirate booty all by yourself? I get it, girl. Let's face it. Dating can feel confusing, frustrating, isolating, and like a desert wasteland, but it doesn't have to be. I created a free resource guide just for you to support you in getting out there this year. It's called Six Tips to Activating Your Dating Life with Intention and Clarity. I truly believe that whether you've never been kissed or your last date was 20 minutes ago, this guide can support you in shaking things up and putting yourself out there in honoring and might I also say fun ways. These are the exact things I have implemented into my dating life over the last few years that have empowered me, given me clarity and propelled me into getting from my couch onto an actual date. So hold up. If you're married or already in a relationship, don't tune me out. I know you have some girlfriends in your life that would benefit from this. So whether you are married or you are a single girl ready to put yourself out there, go to bit.ly slash TRW dating. That's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W stands for the refined woman dating. This is where you can grab your free guide, six tips to activate your dating life. So ladies, let's get out there, shake things up and have fun. I am with you on the journey. So coinciding along that time you're getting sober, one of the things that I noticed about you and I can notice it in you because I noticed it in myself Mm. is you were learning all these amazing things about how to have better boundaries with men, how today's ceiling is tomorrow's floor, how like attracts like, all these different things. And I remember you dating this person that was not a good fit for you. Mm. And your coach telling you, this is not a good fit for you. Yeah. Um, and you knew that this person yeah. like wasn't what you wanted. He wasn't going to be the type of partner you wanted. Right. He wasn't ready for you. But yet you still kind of clung, you clung on to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was still drinking at that point. Okay. I still had low self-worth. Mm-hmm. So my question is, because I think what I always go back to is knowledge alone doesn't transform us. mm Mm-mm. And I'm like, if all it took was knowledge, we'd all be millionaires yeah. and have six packs. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'd be living between Bali and New York and Paris already. Yep, I, exactly. And I think I can be really hard on myself because I'm like, I know, yeah. I know that I should yeah. not be giving 
this guy friend of mine time because mm-hmm. I know that he's not interested in me romantically. Right. Or even though the date I went on last night was really crappy, yeah. I still feel like, but I want to hear from him even though I know it's not what I want. Like right. knowledge alone doesn't transform. Um, and so I think you had that experience too. Yeah. And I just wanted to see if you could unpack that for me because there was a time then that shifted. And now I would say now you're living in a space where you're so clear yeah. that you're like not taking any of the BS. Right. But for a while, it's like you kind of knew all the answers, but your life wasn't really reflecting. Totally. That. I wasn't practicing what I knew. During that time that Kat is referencing, I was still I was still in the process of getting sober. So I was still drinking. I was drinking a lot when I was with guys because I did not feel confident enough in myself to be sober and be funny and flirty and attractive without those crutches. So trying to not drink and like date was very hard for me Mm -hmm. because I couldn't maintain it. Mm -hmm. I like needed to drink um, or else I didn't feel interesting. So that was happening. I was still had very low self-worth and self-esteem because if I went into like the details of like that relationship, it was so silly. But my coach, Lacey, something that she always says is we need to run into the fire to get burned. And when we get when we continue to run into the fire, because I've done that kind of my whole life, we have to do it enough that we get so burned that we're like, now I know the fire is hot. I'm not running into the fire anymore. Mm. And that's what started to really change it for me. I ran into the fire with that relationship. He was essentially just uninterested, told me he wanted to slow down after, you know, like a month of us, but like then wanting to see me all the time. It was just very confusing and weird. And so when he was breaking up with me, I told him I was in love with him, (laughs) just to lay that out there. (laughs) And he was like, okay. Um, And, you know, didn't, that was like kind of the end, but doing that, really putting myself out there, being that vulnerable was me running into the fire enough that it just broke the spell. Mm. I was like, oh, you know, this relationship wasn't what I thought. I'm not in love with him. This is past wounds. This is me trying to find my dad's love yet again through this man. And it was, it was kind of leaning into those teachings that I had found. But again, really, truly, what really helped me get past running into the fire and raising my self-worth was getting sober. Because mm-hmm. to let the knowledge be to like live in you and practice it, you need space to do that. And alcohol was just taking up too much space in my body and in my brain, because then I had a very anxious mind. I was Mm. not living in peace and a groundedness. I was living in fear, constant, constant fear. I was scared all the time, terrified of being found out for a fraud, terrified of being found out for being pathetic, terrified of being found out for being a failure. I just was terrified of anyone finding that out. Mm. You guys, boys that I was dating for sure, any job that I was going after, I tried to keep myself very small. Mm -hmm. So drinking was really the thing that was preventing me from really moving forward. And the minute that I took that out, everything accelerated. And Mm -hmm. I think you're kind of reflecting that back to me. And Mm -hmm. you said that a lot during that time. I'm really seeing your growth. You're holding yourself so high. That was really the change. But I also think running into the fire. I I ran into the fire once more after that. And it's with the guy I dated right before I left, who I was like so heartbroken about because we had this like really wonderful 
sort of dating period of a month and I was following all the boundaries that I had set up for myself, sort of, not holding them really strong, but like starting to play with them a little bit. I wasn't getting physical with him. Uh, I did not have sex with him, which for me was really tough because I had always run into sex really straight away. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to be very cognizant of red flags. I saw them, but I wasn't following them. So I Mm -hmm. saw that there were red flags there, but I was going ahead anyway because I was like, no, it's fine. It'll be great. And what were some of those red flags? The red flags. He had just gotten out of a two-year, very serious relationship a month before. Okay. That's a red flag. That's a huge red flag. (laughs) Huge, glaringly red. My Everything inside my body was like, he's not ready. And I was like, shh, shh, be quiet. Be quiet. He's fine. He says he's ready. He'll change for me. He'll change for me because I am so grand. I'm amazing. He just needs to see how awesome I am. Exactly. (laughs) And then the other red flag was like three weeks into our dating, he told me he saw us getting married and having kids. All right. Ladies, that is every fantasy that we have from watching romantic comedies and what I like to call the Disney princess syndrome. (laughs) The prince will come up on his white horse and save us, right? So that's what sort of initiated that response to me. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to get married and have babies. Literally a week later, he ghosted me. And that was devastating. I mean, Mm. I was heartbroken. You saw me, I cried to you for a while about that. But the beauty of that experience was I finally ran into the fire enough. I believed him so deeply. I thought that, okay, this is it. I'm going to be saved. This is my prince, the thing I've been waiting for that I got burned so badly, I was done. Mm-hmm. I was done I was done with the belief that I needed to be saved. I was done with the belief that when I saw a red flag, I wasn't gonna walk away. Mm-hmm. I was done with the belief that I wasn't worthy of walking away from things that weren't for me. And from that experience, now I'm very strong in my boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so my boundaries are now, I don't rush into even kissing a guy because it's just, it doesn't keep my head clear. Mm-hmm. Any sort of physical touch, my hormones start rushing and then I'm like imagining us getting married in six months, you know? And it's just like, that's like what I call my princess brain. And I (laughs) want to stay out of that for as long Mm -hmm. as I can so that I can be very clear about who this man is. And Mm -hmm. if he is someone that I want to welcome into my life. Yeah. I remember as you were kind of starting to go through this and I'm saving myself until marriage. That's not like not a surprise to people listening to this or you. Yeah. But I remember you're kind of going through your journey. I'm going through my journey. And I finally, for a long time, I knew I was not having sex until marriage, but I really didn't know why. Right. I knew I'm a Christian. That's what Christians do. And then I, I, because Sarah, our friend who was recently on the podcast, really challenged me to do the work because I was at the point where I was like, this is just too hard to wait anymore. I really am longing for this. I'm in my sexual prime. I'm just going to start having sex. And she challenged me to do the work and it's a good, friend. really good friend. I was expecting her to throw condoms at me. Yeah, like, <laughs> go, on. go on, get out, get there. it, get out Let's there. Go get it. <laughs> um, but that's a, I mean, that's the type of friends that you guys are. Yeah. Is you take stands for people, right. for me, for us. But I remember going on dates with this guy and we had dated for a couple of months, but at the end of the very first date, I mean, I'm like, we're feeling it. He's feeling it. I'm feeling it. He doesn't kiss me. And I'm like, WTF? Like, <laughs> what the heck? Like, I'm, yeah, what is going on? And I felt so rejected. Yeah. Second date comes around and I am like laying it on thick. 
like, I mean, touching his arm while we're like yeah. on a date. I mean, I even, I remember he, we had, we had these like epic seven, eight hour dates where we're just mm. together, just I love those. chatting and talking and don't want to leave. And he walks me home and it's like 1am by now. And right. I invite him up to my bedroom. Cause I was like, Oh, you need to see this painting that I'm trying to hang in my room. Cause he was an artist. And <laughs> like, I look back and I'm like, Oh my gosh, how desperate. Like, and also what's the plan, Catherine? Like, right. so, and I think he was a really good guy. He didn't touch me. He didn't hold my hand. To me, that's a big sign of respect. Yes, I agree. And he left and I was, I felt ashamed instantly and I felt like he didn't want me. I was like, what's wrong with him? Isn't he a hot-blooded American man that wants to make out with a beautiful woman? And those sort of situations, I kind of went through a couple different, dating a couple different guys where nothing physical happened, where I felt really confused. I felt unworthy. I felt unattractive. Right. But when every single one of those relationships ended, there was like no drama. Right. And it actually became really clear really quick if this person was a good fit for me or not. But I was super challenged because I was like, oh, like I say I want to wait until marriage to have sex, yet on date two, I'm inviting a guy into my bedroom. Right. What's the end game here? Like, what's the long game? Right. And I really didn't have one. I was in a place where I was not having sex, but I was getting very physically connected to a guy within the first few dates. We'd mm-hmm. be laying out on my bed, making out shirts off. Right. And I wasn't getting what I wanted. Right. But it felt like for me as... I think because I didn't know if what I wanted was really out there, mm. that something felt better than nothing. nothing. Yeah, right. And I felt like if we had that connection, then that could make the relationship go further. Even right. though I think in the moment, that's not what I was thinking. All I wanted was like, I just want intimacy. I just want to feel well, close you to you. want validation. Right. Right. Like that's, that's what I hear in those situations because that's how I felt mm-hmm. when I was in sort of that low low self-worth, low self-esteem place is I was always seeking external validation, especially from men, because I didn't get enough of my dad's love or attention when I was younger. And so what that said to my you know, child brain was, I'm not good enough. And if I was better, if I was perfect, then my dad would love me the way that I need love. So then when I went into dating, I was always trying to be perfect. I was always trying to be good enough. And I was trying to please them always to get the validation that I was so desperately needed. I had this huge hole inside of me and I needed someone to fill it. So Mm -hmm. I was always grabbing out, always seeking out. And if I didn't get that or there was rejection at any point, then that was so personal because Mm -hmm. my worth was on the table. And what I have learned is that my worth has nothing to do with anything external. I am worthy because I am born, period, the end. So it's everyone on this planet. We are worthy because we are here. We are here for a reason. And we have to bring that when we feel that drive for external validation, that is a white flag being raised from your subconscious saying, please look here, please heal here, please give the love and attention that you're seeking out Mm. in. So if you're ever in a situation where it's like, but I just want him to do blank, 
that is basically you saying, I just need me to give attention to me. Mm. So I'll give you an example that just happened for me. I was recently in a beautiful, loving relationship um, when I just did a seven-month trip around Asia. I met a guy and we traveled together for seven months and it was beautiful and healing and just so, so lovely. Um, and we transitioned out of a relationship into friendship. When I left Australia, because he's Australian, he lives there. I didn't want to do long distance. He was younger. It just made sense. We feel, we both felt really good about it. It feels great. Anyway, and we're friends and I'm like, I adore him and I'm so happy for him to be like moving on and doing all the things. And like, I'm moving on and doing all the things. It's great. But on Facebook, I saw that he was tagged in a video with a girl and they were singing and my heart dropped Mm. and I instantly felt triggered and I was like oh my gosh and I was just having a hard day yesterday and so instead of like pushing that aside I went into my room and I journaled about the trigger and what brought up for me and I just like laid out all my feelings about it and when I got it down to it I was like oh like I need to give myself more love and more attention because it was like the thought process that came out of that was like, oh, like he doesn't care and la la la, which is not even true. And I don't even believe that. Mm -hmm. Right. But those like feelings are stemming from a place of old wounds and old programming that I've had. But I realized that to counteract those feelings, I just needed more care. So I took a bath. I gave myself a self massage. I journaled, which was huge. That was so much self care for me because Mm -hmm. I got to the truth of the situation and I was able to give myself what I was seeking in that moment. So Yeah, I think those moments of like those reaching out and that shame after is because you need to pull back in and like put your hands on your heart and give yourself that love Mm. because that's what you're actually seeking is that internal Mm. validation. So back to earlier when I said I needed some coaching. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Because everything you're saying is bringing up these situations that happened to me this week. And I've been dying to talk with you about them. Um, because I, I hear that and I, yeah. So anyways, I'm just going to tell you. So (laughs) I have a guy friendship that you know about Mm -hmm. and my past has been to get these very confusing, ambiguous guy friendships where you're not dating, but it walks like a duck, has feathers like a duck, quacks like a duck. Uh But yet it's not a duck. Yeah, but it's not a duck. Um, so nothing physical ever going on, but just this deep friendship. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't realized that I'd kind of done the thing again where I got into this confusing relationship with Mm -hmm. this guy because I had really good boundaries for the majority of our friendship. Mm -hmm. And it had really only been within like a month or two where we started hanging out one-on-one and I was like, oh, this kind of feels datey. And then we had a confusing conversation and then I was like, what is going on? And oh my gosh, I'm here again. You know, how am I here again? And um, I think the thing that I had to realize is just because you're in the pattern again doesn't mean you're back at square one. Exactly. I realized I was there and then I could shift and adjust. And per your suggestion, I've really pulled back and had better boundaries, not hanging out with them Mm one-on-one, not initiating text conversations, or if they are initiated, not being at the beck and his beck and call or going back and forth, back and forth for hours at night, just really, really pulling back. And that has felt really hard. Right. And I realized this week, oh, I really miss this person. Mm. And we hardly at all talk anymore. Mm. I mean, I was going from talking to this person on a almost daily basis to over the last, you know, bit of time, hardly at all, or maybe once 
a month. And I realized this week, I really miss, I'm like grieving the absence of this person in my life. And so I reached out to him Mm. and it was a very weird exchange. Mm. And I was just like, oh, how are you doing? You know, kind of like scratching the itch. Right. And then it was like one word answers. And I was like, oh, we, we haven't seen each other in such a long time. And what I wanted him to say is like, oh my gosh, yes, I miss you so much. Like, let's get together. Even though I'm like, I don't think this is the person I'm going to be dating or whatever. Right. right? right. But I still just felt myself wanting this response from him. Mm. And then I didn't get it. Mm. And then it ended, the text thread ended very like nothing happened. Right. And so I just, the last few days, I've just felt like, why? (laughs) Why? Like, why do I still care? Yeah. And why I do, I feel like I am grieving. Yeah, that's okay. This person. And I think what comes up for me in that is like this really underneath fear of, am I ever going to get the thing I want? Yes. And long for. You will. And then after the next day after this happens with this guy, I go on a, a date. I am on a blind date with a guy and we had been texting throughout the week and it was like, the vibe was there. We're la- like, there was banter. It was good. I was, I was super excited to meet up with him. And turns out I'm late by 20 minutes because mm. I walked the wrong way. And oh. in New York, that New Yorkers, we can understand. <laughs> I mean, you're like, which way is the blue dot on Google Maps going? I hate that blue dot. Oh, the blue dot. It is so confusing. It really is. I turn myself around all the time with that. I was so frustrated because it was in Greenpoint. So, oh, yeah. Like Greenpoint. next to my neighborhood. So I'm like, why am I, why did I literally walk the wrong way for 10 minutes? Because Brooklyn doesn't make sense. It's not like Manhattan. Yeah. It's just like Manhattan is waffles and Brooklyn is spaghetti. Totally. You're just like, totally. what the heck? Yeah. So I'm 20 minutes late. Okay. He only had an hour and a half to hang out because he had another commitment. So okay. essentially, we have an hour. Okay. Also, I'm not drinking, okay. which I don't think people on here know. Yeah. Um, which is another conversation for another time, but I've stopped drinking for six months for health reasons and to support the anxiety I experience. And it's been totally supportive in yeah. that way. Um, and you've, you. you've been a, a huge help for that. But I get to this date and it just feels flat. Mm. And I feel like I'm on an interview. He's like rapid fire asking these questions. Mm-hmm. And then there's some awkward silences, mm-hmm. which I'm more okay with. Yeah. Because I'm totally. fine with giving the giving it space to see what comes up as opposed to we have to be talking every second. Yeah. I could tell that kind of rattled him. Yeah. And the date ends and we hug goodbye. And I just felt weird about it. Mm, why? Because I think I was expecting it to go better than it did. Okay. Because of our text conversations. Right. And I think there's part of it that had nothing to do with him. And right. there's this narrative in my head where I'm just like, how many first dates am I going to go on? Right. Right. Like, I'm so sick of going on the first dates right. that seem to never go get to a second date. Right. And I think the confusing part for me is I've had dating experiences this year that you know about where the first dates were incredible Mm -hmm. in the second date. Incredible. And oh my gosh, I think this person I can really see something developing with Mm. and then being ghosted by them, then Mm. nothing happening. Mm. And so I think I left that 
situate left that date feeling confused because yeah. I felt like, okay, that date didn't go well, but I should definitely go out with him again because I feel like I can't trust this other part of me that even when it goes well, then now that's not going well. So maybe I can't trust myself. Mm. So I think that's what I felt. And then kind of looping in the situation with the ambiguous guy friendship right. of feeling like, am I just really bad at dating? Am I like, so I'm spiraling by this point. <laughs> we are in the black hole. We're in the black hole. And then I have not heard from the guy on the date. Right. Which I'm like, in all honesty, I had a, I had an okay time. A mediocre time. Mediocre time. Right. But like, you don't get to reject me. Yeah. So all these things are coming up and I just wanted to. Well, first of all, thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm. And I want to acknowledge that this is hard and it's okay for it to be emotional and feel scary and feel confusing Mm -hmm. um, because it is. But what I still hear from you uh, under all of that is your worth is on the line. Mm. And you have high expectations because of these situations that you don't really know what's going on in because your worth is not fully inside of you yet, mm-hmm. right? Because you're not trusting that you're going to find the love that you want. You don't feel, fu- I don't think you feel fully worthy mm-hmm. of it yet. And so you don't fully trust that God's going to bring it to you, which I understand, right? Because I know some stuff that stem, where that stems from, from you in childhood and that was kind of proven to you. Mm-hmm. And we have to take ownership now as adults. I had to do this for myself of the things and the traumas that I experienced when I was a child. And for a long time, I let that kind of be the thing. Like I was a victim to it and I was broken because of it and I wasn't going to be whole because of it. And I had to, you know, sort of take ownership of myself and be like, yes, that happened to me, but it's not happening to me now. Mm. Right. And I need to rewire my brain because our brain chemistry, the like cocktail of hormones in our brain is created from like zero to seven. So if you're in trauma and if you're, and it's even like zero to 14, essentially. So if you're in trauma, you're experiencing, you know, craziness, your brain chemicals are then programmed for that as you move into Mm -hmm. your adulthood. And then that's what you look for, right? So for you, what your brain chemistry is looking for is a man that makes you feel confused. Mm. Like you don't know where he is. You feel unworthy. You feel on shaky ground. Mm. You don't feel like you can get the person that you want. So that's what your brain cocktail is sort of doing and then pushing you into because that's what you keep finding yourself in, right? Mm. So the way that you can step out of that is you need to, one, become aware of the problem. Mm. That's like huge, right? And then two, you need to rewire your brain. So it's going back into these situations, like the situation with the ambiguous friendship. And again, just journaling it down. Journaling is like my biggest tool Mm -hmm. and finding the root. Where did I first feel this feeling? So you need to get to the root of your feeling, whatever that is with him, and then figure out the root of that feeling. When did I first experience this? And then wherever that was, who were you experiencing it with? What did you need from them? So I've had a trigger recently where I was feeling left out and abandoned and I journaled it out to, it was a feeling uh, when I was a baby because I had a really bad acid reflux and I almost died and I was really sick, cried constantly. And I had this flash of, I felt alone. I felt like I had no one there for me. No one was helping me. My parents weren't there. I'm sure they were, but like this was what was coming up Mm. and I felt unsafe and uncared for and I was in pain 
And I had to go back and like hold that little baby and as an adult me say, I got this, we got you, you're held, you are supported. And I'm going to get the care that you need so that you're no longer in pain and I don't have to live from that place. And I know that kind of sounds esoteric, but when you work on your brain chemistry, you can rewire your brain. So, and it, it really does, your subconscious doesn't really know what's happening and what you're sort of imagining happening. Mm-hmm. So those sort of deep meditations, those like self-hypnosis can really help you get to the root and then get to a point that you can heal that root right. so that you no longer live from that place and yeah. that brain chemistry mm-hmm. and you can rewire it for something different. Mm-hmm. So in those, in those situations, I would say it just is going to require you doing more work mm-hmm. because you want to get to a point where you're so in your worth that a date that is just kind of like, meh, is just a lesson, mm-hmm. right? Because we're all lessons for each other. We're all teachers. So they're just, he's teaching you something about a date that you're either, you know, immediate, like, cool, this is not for me. Great. I'm going to walk away. And mm-hmm. you're able to do that with complete faith mm-hmm. in not only yourself, but what you are then clearing the way for to come in. Because mm-hmm. the more we sort of block our path up with these ambiguous people or these people that are not really for us, that we're not really into, but we're hanging on because we're mm-hmm. scared of not having someone, we're literally just creating roadblocks. And the mm-hmm. thing that we want is at the end of that road, right? It can't get to us because there's these roadblocks in the way. So the more we get clear with ourselves, the more we can clear out the debris and we can have that straight shot down, right? And the more you're in your worth, the less you need that other person, Mm -hmm. the more you will be drawn towards each other. Because when we're coming from that place of like need and desperation, I'm not saying that you are, but I definitely was. Um, No, but you can feel it when you're in that place. And like I- You're literally repelling it. Right. You're not creating space. Right. Right. You're, it's like, I imagine these little tiny hands that are all outside my body and they're just pushing everything Mm -hmm. away. And, you know, if we want to talk about God and the universe giving us things, they need space for that. Mm -hmm. If this room was stacked with books everywhere and it had debris everywhere, we wouldn't be able to sit down and have this beautiful conversation. We Mm -hmm. have to create space for it. We have to do the same in ourselves and Mm -hmm. in our life. So the more you clear out the eh, the no, not really, Mm -hmm. I'm confused, the more you make room for the absolutely hell yes Mm -hmm. that is the person that I want to be with but that requires again strong self-worth yeah and strong self-confidence and really being grounded in those Mm -hmm. and then when you feel yourself get triggered which we all do right writing them down and then when you have time journaling them out to get to their root and then reprogram that in your brain so you Mm -hmm. don't continually get in that loop right because we just get into these loops right and then we're stuck and then we're in this black hole and mm-hmm. then we have our, our anxiety kicks in and then, you know, and yeah. then, and then we're drinking. Like mm-hmm. it's just, and then we're further down. Right. So it's, it's just a, a vicious cycle. I think part of what you're saying that is so important, like two things is transformation is possible. Yeah. I think I've, at times I've doubted that yeah. even though part of my faith in who I believe God to be is that we're constantly in transformation, yeah. but seeing People in my life, seeing my own self like battle with the same patterns, I'm like, is it really possible for people to change? But yes. it is possible to yes. transform. And I've seen Me. I've seen you completely transform over the last few years. Right. I know I am in a process of transformation as well, but transformation is possible. And we have a lot more authority, power, and responsibility over our transformation than we give ourselves. 100%. Credit for. We are in charge. And yeah. anytime we have expectations on others, 
it's because we are not giving ourselves that. And Mm -hmm. so we're expecting an external force to do it. Mm -hmm. It's an internal thing, right? We don't need anything from anyone. It's an addition. Mm -hmm. I like to say like a relationship or anything like that is a cherry on our already full Sunday. So we need to be a full An extra Sunday. cherry. There's yeah. already a cherry on the Sunday. There's an, there's an extra cherry. <laughs> exactly. An extra. Like, so we are the ice cream. We are the gooey chocolate and caramel sauce. We are the nuts, whatever the hell we all like on our ice cream. Like we are that. Mm. Or, you know, if we want to get healthy, like a full salad. <laughs> <laughs> With a ranch on the top. <laughs> so, but we have to, we have to be fully integrated and whole humans yeah. to welcome in another fully integrated and whole human, right? right? So those external grabbings are just a white flag right. to be like, okay, turn those hands around, put them on you because this is who you need. Mm. You're looking for you. You're searching for you. Mm. So when will you show up for you? Like that's what God, that's what the universe is waiting for mm. so that you can clear that space. And then when that is happening, you can sort of walk along with another human, mm-hmm. right? And then dating becomes fun. Like I'm, I'm in, so I have a protocol that I give to clients that I work with that um, if they haven't dated in a while to do online dating, to practice, to get Mm. out there, to sort of open their gates and not to use it with any expectation of meeting a partner, like any expectation, right? Because that will just like bring you down. Mm. Um, And to do it just to practice meeting people, to practice holding your boundaries, to practice flirting, to practice having conversation with interesting men, to practice saying no, and to practice walking away. So I've had two instances recently where that was really apparent. So one, the guy and I had chatted on app and then he asked for my number and he was going to ask me out. Cool. So he, he tells me that he wants to take me to a bar and that is a hard no for me. I'm a sober person. I don't enjoy going to a bar. I'm not welcoming that into a relationship, especially at the start. So I say, oh, um, I don't drink and I don't want to go to a bar. Can we go somewhere else? And he says, well, then you can just get a soda water. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. Uh, I just want to say like two years ago, I would have been like, okay. I would have totally bowed to this person being aggressive. I would have felt really insecure. I wouldn't even said anything about not wanting to go to a bar in the first place. I just would have gone. And now I was able to say, okay, Um, I don't want to go to a bar. I understand that that seems like a no-go for you, so I wish you well. And then he immediately got aggressive and I blocked him, right? But I was like, man, boundaries are beautiful because look what that just saved me from. Yeah. That's amazing. And then a second, I was hanging out with a second guy and, you know, we had good text banter. Everything was, he seemed like he might be a good potential match. And we went out on a first meetup. I don't like to call them dates because that puts weird expectations And when I got there, he smelled like booze and he was taking me to dinner, but we went into a bar first, which wasn't really into, but it was just a waiting period. And he told me that he owned, he told me that he owned a restaurant, but it's actually like a bar that kind of serves food. Mm. And that was like, that's not what the lifestyle I want for my partner. I'm sober. I want them to be at the very least sober curious, but like nearly sober because I just have a different lifestyle. I don't want to be drinking all the time. Mm So after we had a great first date, conversation was lovely, but afterwards I had to really decide what it is that I want and I don't need to be scared. I don't need to hold on to things that aren't exactly right for me, that aren't an absolute hell yes. And this was a, eh, he's interesting. He seems to like me. Old me who needed that validation would have kept going. But 
transformed me, who now has self-worth and I'm grounded in my self-confidence and what I want, I was able to be like, that lifestyle isn't for me and was able to tell him very clearly, like, no, I'm not looking for this. Thank you. Good luck. Mm -hmm. And that was that. And we moved on. And it wasn't, it didn't need to be like a, it wasn't sad or anything. It was just like very quick and easy, which again, you know, that has not always been the case for me. Right. But that's why these work, you know, working on yourself is so important because you can get yourself from no self-worth to very high Mm self-worth where you are able to walk away from situations that don't work out for you, where you're able to hold your boundaries so that you can call in the thing that is right for you. And you get to fully enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And just kind of to wrap that up a little bit is I think so much in the Christian world, the the world that I am in a lot is there is this lack of responsibility and authority. And it's like, well, let's just pray about it. And it's this very like over-spiritualizing the concept. And we call it spiritual bypass. Oh, I love that. Mm. Spiritual. It's, it is a spiritual bypass. Although I will say like prayer is a massive part of yeah, my daily. I pray too. Like I, God listens to prayer. God moves God wants to hear his yep. the voice of his children. He cares. He is attentive. He is intentional with us. He is listening and acting on our behalf, even totally. when we aren't acting on and our behalf. And we're co-creating with him. Right. We're, we're participating in this process. Right. So we absolutely get to have, it's a conversation, right? right. So like we get to be in the other half. Mm-hmm. So I think that's for me where like the knowledge, the collision of the knowledge and experience. Mm. It's like we can know we can know the right things or we can seek God, pray, but we get to move our feet. We get to do the groundwork. Yeah. We get to do the self-work. Yeah, we are not victims. Yeah. We are not right. victims. Yeah. And when you're in that victim mentality, it's a, well, I am, you know, this or this always happens or why me? Mm-hmm. That is another white flag being mm-hmm. waved to you to look inward and mm-hmm. be like, well, why am I choosing this? Because mm-hmm. we are choosing all of these things. Yeah. We don't have to go out with that person. We don't have to do whatever. Mm-hmm. We don't have to, right? We're choosing it. Right. So it's kind of putting the right. onus what, back on. Exactly. Yeah. What are we choosing? And yeah. are we choosing the things that we actually want? Right. And if not, why not? Yes. So good. Yeah. Amanda. I love you. I love you. Thanks for having me on. I feel like I already want you on again. <laughs> I know. This was so much fun. I, I was so nervous I know. Before. You were so nervous. How do you feel Just now? Like, oh. um, I feel great. Good. I feel this is so... It, I mean, it feels like a normal conversation with you. I feel like these are the kind of conversations we have. Yeah. So it's fun to... A microphone here. I know, only now thousands of people will hear the conversation that we're having in my yeah, bed. Exactly. Which, this is, I, I feel like I I need to start like a in bed with cat. This would be a YouTube series. I totally could. That would be great. We're like in my cuddly, comfy bed right now. Yeah, with these beautiful um, pillows. I know, they're amazing. Okay, I love you. I love you. Okay, bye. 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 Oh, oh, wait. Wait. <laughs> Where can people find you? Oh. <laughs> right. Um, you can... Uh, on Instagram, find me at XO Amanda Blair, B L A I R. And on the web, I have a blog, is um, www.amandablair.org. Awesome. So good. Thank okay. you. Okay, goodbye. Bye. Love you. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I want you to know that 
This project of mine is such a labor of love and it wouldn't be possible without you, without your support, without your encouragement, without your feedback. So if you have a minute and you are enjoying this podcast, if you are an avid follower, or maybe this is the first episode you're listening to and you loved it, go to iTunes, search the Refined Collective Podcast and subscribe. And if you're feeling even some extra love, I would love to ask you to write a review for us. Now, this helps us get to more eyes, to get to more people. It kind of acts as like an SEO for podcasts. So if you have a minute, go find us on iTunes or on your podcast app, search The Refined Collective, subscribe, and rate and review us. It would mean the world to us. Next, if you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.